Welcome to the Access Church Podcast. Grab out your note sheet and let's jump right into today's sermon. Good morning, everybody. How you doing? Yeah. You! All right. We've got some coffee in us, maybe stretched out, did some yoga. We're ready to go. Guys, this is a good-looking crowd. Sometimes we're a little shaky, but you guys look good, so that's good. You brought your best today. Uh, it is an exciting day, and I hope you really leave encouraged today, equipped and not just from the people around you, but that God really wants to speak to you and participate with you. So uh, let me tell you kind of what's going on. Quick uh, update, what's happening at church. Uh, and then we'll kind of jump into groups. We like to talk to each other. So we like to be friendly. So uh, we'll do a little bit of interaction time. Then we'll jump in. We're going to be in Luke 17 today. Uh, we're going to end with some worship just to reflect, just kind of think about maybe what you've heard, give you a few minutes. Then we have Shay Montez is going baptism she's going under coming back up the, the goal always is to bring her back up so super excited for the montez family and his parents and so um just a really cool day then we're gonna eat because that's what we do when we celebrate we got to eat yeah look at we're clapping for food high quality you guys don't only know we pay for the best here you guys give and we love to spend you know so we're going costco pizza Carrie, Carrie, are we doing the, all right, Carrie made cupcakes for all of us. Is it cupcakes? Made cupcakes. Yeah, Carrie Montez. And of course, there's no sugar, no calories, so you can eat as much as you want, right? So yeah, so don't worry about that. Just pray it away. The Lord will, you know, pray it away. Um, and so we're going to eat in here. So after the baptism, just so you know, if you have any kind of like um, muscle mass at all, any little bit, we could use you. If you could jump in here, we're going to get these tables and just kind of put them out for everybody so we can just let the kids run around and be in air conditioning. Does that sound like a good plan? So that's the day. And then we'll go home and most of us will take a nap. So that's the plan. Uh, next Saturday, Mexico trip, super pumped. We're heading to Rosarito uh, and we get to hang out with the kids and teens. So you kind of pick who you like to hang out with, little kids. You can bring crafts. If you just want to uh, play games, throw a Frisbee, bring anything you want that you think would be fun. They just love it. Don't freak out about what it is. They just want to hang out with you, and they know we're coming, so I already heard from the director, and they're like, they're pumped. So uh, teenagers, uh, if there's any kind of skill thing you want to do, teach them guitar, something that you like, um, engineering. I don't know what you like to do, but you know, just, uh, but they like to do that. And if you have nothing, then just start talking to them. Uh, if you don't know Spanish, you have one week to learn. So uh, we're super excited. Uh, you got to sign up by about Tuesday. I need to get you an email, give you the times, when we're coming back, and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah, I'll give you a Tuesday due date, and then we're going to take it off the website, okay? But we already have a small group going. Uh, we have a few more spots, probably about three or four more. So super pumped about that. Connection groups, cannot wait. Getting back in homes, supporting one another, learning about our faith, sharpening one another. It's an hour and a half of an investment in your life. Wednesday, Thursday night are your options on the website sign up. If you're like, I don't deal with the interweb or know what that is, talk to me, talk to Laura Lee, and we'll sign you up. We'll take care of that for you. But vital, impossible to grow and sustain your faith apart from consistent relationships of prayer and talking about God's word. So really want to encourage you to that. Sign up this week. They start next week. And also, when we start, I'll do a little side plug. When we start these groups, I'm going to do a little three-week, uh, something a little bit different that's going to kind of uh, strengthen you and get you ready for the discussions, but it's kind of working on yourself. 
So it's a little three-week plan that, and then we'll kind of jump into the, the normal sermon stuff. So hopefully it really helps your, uh, if you're married, in a relationship, but personally, I'm going to kind of do some self-development. Boom, then we're going to hit connection groups. And that's about a six or seven week. Uh, we're going to start off six, seven weeks, take a one week break, and then we'll jump back in for the winter. So heads up on that. We got to celebrate. This is awesome. Thank you, guys. Uh, this is huge. So over here, the school said, I uh, asked the principal, what can we do? And we want no name recognition. This is not about getting access out there. We want to see the school succeed because we're here and we're appreciative. And so he's like, we need clothes. We have some families that they're struggling to afford things right now. So I uh, cannot wait to bag this up. We're gonna leave it there for them. Hopefully they'll be surprised and excited about what uh, that we did. Uh, we can do this one more week, he said. I wanted to kind of push you guys the first week. So if you forgot, you wanna do it, just bring it and we'll still give it to the school. But this is awesome. And they're gonna be super, super pumped. Over here, uh, when we go down to Tijuana uh, Christian, mission the orphanage there needs school supplies so we get to bring this to them on the 13th if you forgot uh again you can get it to laura lee get it to me and we'll take it down to mexico but this is what we got so far so thank you thank you thank you um one other thing i know if you're new or you kind of come in and out of here um you might not know her but this is family and uh diane powell has been in the hospital i've shared about that it's been confirmed she has cancer uh and uh it's pretty pervasive um, and so, uh, it's a difficult time. It's, uh, talk to the family. Uh, she's going to be living with her daughter for a little bit. So we got her out of her apartment. You guys know she lived in Hammett and yeah, we need to get her out of there. She's still in the hospital. Uh, we're not doing a lot of visitors. And so, uh, a few of us, and then we're trying to pass on the information, um, be praying for her. Probably at this stage, we're praying for a miracle, but you guys know Diane. She's like, I'll see Jesus at any point. Literally, that's Diane. like you know Diane. Yeah, she's like, stop crying for me. You know, she's like, I'm ready to see Jesus. So thank God her strong faith. And I want to encourage you with this. Life is about those of you older, a little bit older. Show people how to live, and show them how to leave this life. It's very important. You hold on to this life it means you're not expecting anything in the afterlife. Diane's got that. Okay. So we are going to grieve. We're going to rejoice. We're going to hold both of those things. That's part of life. And so keep praying for her. I'll give you updates. And she knows that I'm giving updates. So this is not a, a surprise to her. So <sighs> got emotional last week. All right. Okay. I need to pray. Collect myself. We're going to jump into groups while I pray. This gives you time to figure out who you want to talk to. Maybe avoid people you don't want to talk to. But get in groups. Don't do big groups of like 20. That kills us. Get in groups of like five or six. I know, Montez, you guys got a whole crew here. You guys might have to split the family up, I don't, you know. So, uh, but get in groups of five or six, and it's going to be some fun discussion stuff. Jesus, uh, thank you for today. The greatest thing we can do is sit at your feet. The greatest thing we can do is encourage other people in this room and outside of this church to trust you. Beyond you, there is no hope in politics, in education, even in physical fitness. Everything withers away here on earth. Give us that perspective. May we be different than everyone else that lives, Lord, to show how good you are. Thank you for sharing her faith at a young age. Thank you for the Montez family, Jeremiah and Carrie, and just how they, their marriage exemplifies you. They sacrificially love their kids, and so their kids are going to know you from the word of God, but also the life of their parents. May you bless them as a family for generations to come, from kids to grandkids to great-grandkids. Pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. You know, you think about uh, that gratefulness, appreciation, thankful. We, it's something that we aspire to, 
but a lot of times we're, it's, uh, we're devoid of it in life, whether we participate in it or we experience it. Many of us can go days, maybe weeks, maybe unfortunately even months without someone appreciating something, thanking you for something. And it doesn't have to be a big thing, but it can really shape your day. And I, and I want you to think about this because it's an important characteristic of God, but it's also an important gift from God that he gives to us as people to be able to get through life. Um, I was reminded of this as far as just, you know, when someone says thank you, you usually feel like respected. You just feel acknowledged, right? There's something um, that in humanity, we want to acknowledge each other. And when we stop acknowledging one another, we begin to treat each other differently, right? Any of you that grew up in a small town, usually if you walked by someone, what it, if you're in a small town, it's almost like, what's wrong with you? You just walk by them, keep your eyes to the ground. Usually wave, say hi, how you doing? I mean, a little bit like you're a human being. You're not just an animal, right? Most people don't say hi to a squirrel or you don't say hi to a cockroach or you don't say whatever other animals are around. You, know, you don't say hi to... It's a human being. You say hi to... I acknowledge you're a human being. Um, and when that doesn't happen, those of us that grew up in the city, <laughs> that's not normal, right? It's a good way to start a fight. You know, if you look someone in the eyes or... You know what I mean? It's, it's weird, the environment, but also we see where the way we treat each other sometimes maybe in a city with a lot of people compared to like uh, you, you all know each other or it can be different, right? I experienced this just this last week where um, something simple, but it's just simple things, right, that really add up uh, in our lives. And uh, I opened a door for a woman. So we were both walking in and I thought, right, I mean, right thing to do, right? Open the door. Walk through, nothing. So as a godly man, what do you think I would do as a godly person, right? Right? I use sarcasm to shame her because that's what godly people do. No, I should not. I should have just been quiet. The Holy Spirit's like, just shut your mouth. Just do it because it, I failed you guys. And I said that. I'm like, you're welcome. Yes. <laughs> True story. Yeah. Proud of it? No. Repented? Yes. But you know, I was thinking about that. I'm like, why? Like, what happened as a human being to do that? Because you feel just, I did something for you and you could care less. Now, before you guys judge, I feel the judgment right now in your eyes. If I were to give the mic to you, the way we don't acknowledge friends that do things the way we don't acknowledge parents that do things, the way we don't acknowledge, it could even be government. We love to complain. People that all they do is complain, they've never been out of this country. There is a reason why, no matter what your policy is on the border, I could care less, to be honest. I could. There's a reason why people are clamoring. This is the only country in the world that's clamoring. Not saying that we never critique our politicians. We don't change policies. I'm not saying that. But when you lose all gratefulness, you lost perspective. And we can live life that way politically, relationally, at work. The job's always this or that. Have you ever owned a company? You know how hard it is to do payroll? You know how hard it is to manage 10 people? And we just, right? So we all can do that. And, and God says, hey, this is really the mark of Christianity. And he tells a story today I think appreciation, thankfulness, I want to elevate it. I think many of us view it as like, if the circumstance is right, I'll do it. And what God is saying is you should always have that. And we're going to talk about that today. Luke 17, 
Start in verse 11. Jesus is making his way south. The distance is about L.A. from San Diego, walking, not in a car, though. Big difference, right? Up mountains and hills, dangers. You got animals that can kill you. You got robbers that can kill you. A little bit different, but it's about that distance. That's what he's walking down, and he also knows that he's headed towards the cross. When you know you're going to die, things get a little heavier. You stop doing what, you know, you're not telling just little jokes here or there or what you ate like that. Life gets a little more like, hey, I want to talk about things that are real. And look at what he talks about things that are real. This is one of the things that he talks about that is real and is important for us. Now, on his way to Jerusalem in verse 11, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. These are two people that hated each other. If you could think of any group that hates each other in your mind, it's elevated beyond that. In fact, it's so bad, they still hate each other today. It's people that, uh, what they would consider themselves pure Jews, and ones that because either they did it or their families did it, so they had no control of it, but they married outside the Jewish faith, and so they did not consider them truly loved by God, blessed by God, because they didn't do it the right way from tradition. They hated each other. He's on the border. I love that. God is always on the border between two people that hate each other that are bringing them together. And it's the beauty of the church. And so he's traveling, and as he's going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Those words sound like that they are desperate for him, right? Call him Master, have pity on us. Now, leprosy, just so you know, it's still a disease uh, today, it's called Hansen's disease. Uh, I believe it was around 100 years ago or so. I think it's 1930s or 40s. They actually came up with, um, um, what do you call it? Treatment for it. Yes, lost the word there. Treatment for it. Back then, no treatment. It was a death sentence. Ever been that place where you go to Jesus and you're desperate? I see it a lot as a, as a pastor. And what's interesting is faith cannot be found in the midst of your desperation because you're looking for anything. So they're looking for anyone or anything. But do they want Jesus or do they just want the cure? Interesting as we go throughout this story and who actually gets Jesus and who doesn't. These men had leprosies. It's a bacterial infection that attacks the nerves, just so you know. So pretty soon you don't feel things. So, and then it also rots the flesh. It's brutal. It's gross. Um, it's also highly contagious. Old Testament law would require that actually live in a different camp outside their community, which means you lost all family, friends. They haven't seen family or friends. In fact, back then, tradition would say that God then doesn't even love you and you're being judged by God. Imagine that burden. Have you ever grew up in a family like that? Where No, he's not a God who's for you. Actually, God who's against you and loves judging you and loves making you feel bad. And if something bad happens, that's his way of saying you're bad. And it's constantly in their minds. They're not just desperate physically. They're desperate emotionally, relationally. Every capacity, they are desperate. Verse 14, when he saw them, he said, go and show yourselves to the priests. That had to be weird for them. They're like, why would we go to the priests? Just you know the priests back then? That in this religious community, the priests were also a lot of times trained as medical examiners and doctors. There's also Old Testament law in Leviticus 13 and 14. There was a protocol. So if you were to come back into the community, a priest had to say, bill of health, you got it. No bill of health, you can't go back in. Just like if you want to go to work and they don't give you a clean bill of health, you got to stay out. The priest guarded that. And here's Jesus 
while they have leprosy, saying, yeah, just go ahead and start walking over to the priest. Took a little bit of faith because you're like, well, that could be awkward if I walk and I just show them leprosy. That's going to be, that's stupid. It's dumb. Have you noticed that God sometimes does that in the Bible? You'll look at things, you'll read things, you're like, that's stupid or dumb. It makes no sense. I wouldn't do it that way. Why don't you heal me first? Then I'm like, ah, now I can go to the priest. Sometimes people have a hard time following God because they're like, that makes no sense. Sexual purity, that makes no sense. You want to have sex with someone before you marry them. That makes sense because then you kind of know if you like it and all that kind of And why people struggle. It's like, no, 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 trust God. That'll all work out in a marriage covenant that you're there forever and it cannot be broken even when things are bad. It's a powerful love. But the world can't experience that when God's like, no, 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 I'm not just doing this to make life bad. I'm saying, this is the way to do it. It's actually rad when you do it this way. It's, it's pretty amazing when you trust God saying, you know what? I'm not going to question everything because I know who he is. And I'm just going to do it and it's going to be exciting to see how he... So they have this leprosy. They're like, all right. They trust him. Ten lepers trust God. Okay. I don't have any fingers. I'm going to start walking. As they went, they were cleansed. As you trust God, you become cleansed. Some of you say, no, I want you to cleanse me, then I'll trust you. And that's why you struggle to have a relationship with God. I'm just trying to be honest with you. Some of us have been going to church for 20 years, but we still trust God like we did in the first year. It hasn't grown. Because you're like, cleanse me first, then I know I have facts, I have this, it's tangible, then I'll trust you. And God's like, uh-huh, no, it doesn't work that way. You trust me, and on the way of life, I'll cleanse, I'll do the miracles, I'll bless. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back. So the story, he doesn't talk about that. It's been seven days. Leviticus 13, 14, it takes seven days to be quarantined. All of us know what quarantine's like. We're like, I did one seven days, Right? Well, they had to do quarantine back then, so just so you know, though, you that are like political activists, how dare you quarantine me? God had them quarantined back in the Old Testament, not the end of it, right? And so he's like, hey, let's just make sure. So did the quarantine and got done, and they are now clean bill of health. How stoked are they? They get to hang out with your mom, the dad, brothers and sisters, if they were married. Marriage is back. They're in church. They're, they're back in the community. They can have a job. They can eat rather than the garbage which they were being fed. This is pretty dramatic. And how many of them? No, how many came back after seven days? One. Those other nine, God's completely changed their life. But you see, they didn't want God. They just wanted a cure to their circumstance. And what they're going to realize is they actually missed out on the greatest thing. It's not the gifts of God. It's God himself. And we don't just say that theologically, we don't just sing it. We believe it. And those of us that believe, it changes the way you do life. Because Jesus didn't do a prerequisite saying, well, okay, if you become my disciples, I'll cure you, go on your way. Did he say that? Did he probably know nine out of ten might not come back? And he still did it. That helps us as Christians understand we don't love people based off if it's going to be reciprocated. We love because that's what God has called us to do. And if they don't like us back, it's not our problem. Many of us will love as Christians, but only if they're nice back. And God's like, no, no, that's how the world does it. Not, that's not how we do it. Jesus blessed them, but one came back. And look at the, the blessing of 
being into Jesus rather than just what the miracles that Jesus does for me. So one of them saw that he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet. He was so stoked. He didn't care about protocol. He didn't care about what people thought about him. Just so you know, as a man, you don't act this way. Men back then were very reserved. They didn't yell in the streets. That was considered a behavior that wasn't becoming of someone, right? And you don't throw yourself at the feet of someone. You don't get dirty. You don't do these things. He doesn't care about protocol. He doesn't even care what people around like, ooh, settle down. I don't care. I'm so stoked of what he did in my life. I'm so stoked that I was judged to death. This disease was going to kill me, and the disease is gone. You guys are seeing the theme here, right? Where the Bible says you're dead in your sin. Where he says sin is like leprosy, and it just slowly eats away at your life. It eats away at your relationships. It will eat away at your heart. It eats away at your energy. It eats away at your joy. I see it. I can tell when people walk into church and they've been ravaged by sin that week. They have a tough time looking me in the eye. They have a tough time worshiping. They have a tough time taking communion. The guilt, the shame, the heaviness. And Jesus says, I take that all away. I heal you. And some of us are like, well, but I don't feel like it. And he's like, I'm not here to change your feelings. I'm here to change your life. And you know what feelings follow? Feelings follow faith. Faith doesn't follow feelings. If he said it, he's good. He means it. You're cleansed. You can take the communion. You can look another human being in the eyes. You can share about your ups and downs with no shame because my shame is taken away. You guys seen the connection here, the power of this. And Jesus is trying to explain what a real disciple is. Don't live a fake life. Jesus asked him in verse 17. I love when Jesus does rhetorical questions. Right? He knows the answer. We're all ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? Hmm, interesting. Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, look at the extra blessing here. Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. If you have a pen or pencil, I want you to circle and underline two words. In verse 14, it says, as they went, they were cleansed. Circle cleansed, because that means they were clean on the outside. Their leprosy was gone. And then circle or underline at the very end of 19 where he says, your faith has made you well. Circle or underline that. Those are two different Greek words. It seems like your faith has made you well. Well, he's already well. You healed him of leprosy. And Jesus is trying to say something here to his disciples and to him. You see, cleansed is from the Greek word katharizo, or katharizo, and it means to be without impurity. Jesus warned the Pharisees and the hypocrites. And we've been talking about hypocrisy. Don't be a fake Christian. Be real. Be authentic. That's what we want to be as a church. And we're going to continue to call ourselves because it's easy to be fake. It's easy to put on this. We do such a good job of it. I remember when I used to surf a lot and we'd wear all the surfing gear, all that kind of stuff. And it used to bother me when dudes that obviously they don't surf and they're wearing all the surf stuff and like that. And you know what we called them back then? Posers, yes. That, that came quick. That came here. Posers, right? You poser. You've never been in the water. You just wear the... Well, it's easy to do as a Christian oh yeah, I go to church. Oh, when my heart, oh yeah, I'll give to the needy when my heart's kind of like tugged. Yeah, when I have a bad week, I'll lift my hands, you know, like that. Or Yeah, I'll, I'll be in relation. I'll be with Christians when life is good, but if it gets tough, man, forget God. I'm not trying to name call. I'm trying to make sure that you engage with reality of 
I've told you guys this. My biggest fear is any of you, my responsibility as a pastor, any of you would stand before Jesus and you wouldn't be authentic. You'd be, there'd be a poser. It'd be like, I, and Jesus says, I don't know you. You wore the clothes. I don't know, I don't know you. So Jesus, he warned the Pharisees, don't be katharizo. Don't be cleansed on the outside. You need to be well. That word well, just so you know, it's the Greek word sozo. It actually means to be saved or rescued. So he said to the one that came back, he says, good job, you came back because now you are made well, which actually means that you are saved or rescued. It's the same Greek word that Matthew one twenty one, when the angel came to Joseph, he said, you, uh, you will, a uh, son will be born to you and he will sozo his people. He will save his people. It's the same Greek word. A few things we notice about this passage. God blesses people who want nothing to do with him, but it's not the greatest blessing of all. So be careful, those of us that are jealous. Because we feel like we've trusted God, we've been righteous, we've done everything right, and they get their dream and I don't. And they get cured from cancer, and my mom didn't. And they have a great relationship with their kids, but I don't. And you begin to question yourself, saying, can I really trust God? And he says, listen, they're cleansed on the outside, and I've blessed them, and they want nothing to do with me, but it's greater to be cleansed and rescued on the inside and to be a little dirty on the outside. So be careful that you think, well, when God blesses, he loves them, and then when he doesn't, or it appears like he doesn't, he doesn't really love. Be careful. He might cleanse on the outside, but he really wants to cleanse you on the inside. That's the greatest gift God can give you is salvation. Not a bigger home, not more kids, not more money, not longer health. Diane knows this. That's why she can say, I would love to see Christmas and Thanksgiving with my kids, but I can't wait to see Jesus. And she can say it authentically because she's been changed on the inside. Notice also this. There's a difference between seeking God's power and accepting God's authority. I'm going to go deep here. I need you to stay with me, okay? This is huge. There's a difference between um, seeking God's power and accepting God's authority. Seeking God's power is please bless me, please change me, please give me things, change the circumstances, change my skin, give me this, give me that. You don't even have to be a Christian to recognize that God is powerful. You know what the Bible says, James says? Even the demons recognize Jesus is powerful. Like if you ask a demon, which is a pretty gross thing to do, is Jesus powerful? I bet, yeah. yeah, he's powerful. But are demons saved by grace? Yeah, yeah, the answer, just, if you didn't know that, the answer is no. Make sure you leave today with that. Like Demons are not saved. They recognize God's power, but they reject his authority. And some of us, we want God's power in our life, but we don't want any authority. Don't tell me how to change my language. Don't tell me how to change relationships. Stay off my money. Stay off this. Don't tell me what to do on the weekends. Don't tell me how to do my time. And you've accepted God's power, but what you need is God's authority because that's the only thing that saves you. I know you guys are drinking from, I can tell you're drinking from a fire hose right now, but I need you, this is really important. One is a faith that acknowledges God and one's a faith that saves them. The nine were healed and they're going to die years later and one's going to live forever. The goal is forever, you guys, not a good 70 years. Some of us are, are, are living for such menial things. Forever. So we got to be careful. 
and I see people coming in out of church this way. There's a, a woman, she was a neighbor of ours, her name was Melissa, and her, her, our kids played together, her son and our son. Well, his, uh, her son uh, got, I don't know how he hit his head. He was one of those wild kids that used to like jump off cliffs and bite, like he's a wild one. But he hit his head hard and she begged God, have you ever been there? Beg God, please save him, please help him, please heal him. And what do you think God did? Is he a mean God? No, you're not, you're not following me. You have God answered her prayer. She came to church one time. Never seen her since. My heart grieves for her because there's a sense probably in her mind of, well, I did what I said. You said my kids, so I'll, I'll throw you out one church, you know. But then I'm out, and she missed the whole thing of no, maybe God allowed that so that you would come to a saving faith and that you would actually then save your kids and your husband and your and she missed out on the greatest opportunity. Now maybe God's giving her more. I don't know, I'm gonna keep in touch. But it grieved my heart. It's like, oh, no, no, no. It wasn't even about your son. Jesus trying to reach your heart. So as we think about this, appreciate, like this is a powerful passage. How does this apply to our lives? And what are we going to do this morning to practice it? I just want, I just want to guide you. I want to bring you along, no matter what's going on. Because some of us right now, you're praising God every day. You're like, it's good. It's a good season. There's money in the bank. Job's going well. Marriage is on fire, right? Kids are listening. They're actually obeying. You, you, you would go through some momentums, right? And then... There's times, too, where you're like, everything's wrong. Have you ever had that? It's not just one. It's not just a leaky faucet. It's then, and you know, once the faucet begins to leak, you're like, two more things are coming. I know. It's a trinity. It's a trinity, right? It always happens. And then this breaks, and then that breaks, and you get a bill from the government. You owe more money, right? It always happens. So I recognize that all of us are different places, but this is what I recognize. It doesn't matter what place you're in, that you're in, right? You can always give thanks to God. And that's what helps sustain your faith. And actually, I would even say even start your faith. The power of appreciation. Andrew, this is going to be up on the slides, okay? Power of appreciation. Number one is it's actually essential for faith. It's actually essential for faith. Romans 1, 20 through 21. You got that one, Andrew? Romans 1, 20 through 21. It says this, for since the creation of the world, uh, uh, of the, uh, since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave what? That's a big deal to God. They did not glorify him and they didn't give thanks. So look at what happened to them. Their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. I would say that you know you have a real faith when you came to God out of appreciation, not even out of guilt and shame. Now, I'm not saying there's a conviction of the heart there, but the, out of the conviction of the heart, the appreciation is in that God did everything for you so you don't have to do it. You don't have to pay back for your sins. Some of us are still trying to, to work to get God to like us, and you're stressed out. Are you, you're saved by grace. He didn't go to the cross so that you could work to get to heaven. He went to the cross saying, it's me or you, and I'd rather me because I'll resurrect from the dead. You won't. So the conviction immediately turns to appreciation. The shame immediately turns to praise and glory because he takes it away. And when he doesn't, our hearts actually become hardened and darkened. When I deal with people that they're dealing with hardened hearts, bitter hearts, and I've been there, you won't go through life very long without, well, I've been in those seasons, those years, my heart's a little bitter, right? I'm a little cynical of everybody. I've been hurt by Christians. I've been hurt by family. All of a sudden, I become a little cynical. And God's like, be careful, because that's the work of the devil. 
even in the midst of pain, we have to be able to hold on to joy. Because the Bible says that love wins and love never fails. So I always have hope in every situation. What softens a hardened heart? Appreciation. What hardens it? When nothing is good, God's not good, people aren't good, societies aren't good. That's when we move to the mountains and lock up, you know, with our guns and don't want to talk to anybody, right? Because we're just so bitter, right? It's like, no, 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 no. It's okay. God's got you. There's things to appreciate. So we see that it's actually essential for faith. Uh, the second thing is it's an anxiety killer. It's an anxiety killer. And we're like, wait a second, I'll have medicine for that. Well, I think, I think there's, a, I think there's a, a better medicine or one that would go along well with it. Okay, I'll say that. I'm not a medical expert. But if you're missing this, I don't think the medicine's going to work. You have to include this. That's how important it is. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says this. Do not be anxious about what? Now, you guys, you pay me a huge amount of money to study the Bible, right? I mean, you know? And so I looked this up. This was hard. This took hours. You know what anything means in the Greek? You guys know anything, right? Right? Do not be anxious about anything. What about my bills? What about the future of my kids? What about my job? What about my retirement? What about this person that's creating a problem in our neighborhood? We have so many things to be anxious about, right? What about our society? What's going to happen? Politics? Who's going to be? There's so much. And then we turn on the TV and all they want us to do is be anxious because if I'm fearful, I've got to watch them the next night and the next night. And all of a sudden, they're my savior, not Jesus. And they're bigger than God. And the financial crisis is bigger than God. And the price of gas is bigger than God. And the problems with my kids are bigger than God. This is what happens all the time. I want to break that down. And it doesn't help you manage anxiety. It kills anxiety. When I put any problem at the foot of the cross and give it to Jesus, he dwarfs it. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation. So you come here in good situations, some of you come here in a bad situation. As a church, we have Diane in the hospital, not a good situation. I don't lose my joy, I don't lose my thankfulness, I don't lose my appreciation, but I also don't deny the pain. Have you been around those people? Right? You know their life is burning down. How you doing? Oh, praise God. And then they quote you like seven verses. Because that's a way of being a shield of don't go inside because I'm hurting. Because we think if I tell you I'm hurting, then I don't really trust God. No, no, no. Maturity is I'm hurting today. And I can't wait to see what Jesus does. But I'm hurting. That's authenticity. You don't reject one. You don't reject the other. In all circumstances, we never stop. So I show up to church and I praise God whether this week went well or it doesn't. I praise God. In all things, I'm going to give him glory because either he's already worked something out or he's about to. I just don't know what he's doing. So I'm a leper and I'm not completely cleansed yet, but I'm going to just walk in faith and see what happens, right? And on the way, God does miracles. On the way of your life, God does miracles. So get off your butt. Some of us are waiting for the miracle and then I'll obey. Stop it. You're never going to see it. On the way, a miracle happens. In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God. When does the peace of God come? After I've been appreciative, I acknowledge my pain, but I also acknowledge all the miracles he's done. I acknowledge how good he is in the midst of it. I acknowledge that he's more powerful than my problems and my anxiety begins to just, and Satan's like, no, I want that anxiety there. And the word of God and the truth of God and the miracles of God kills it. 
it doesn't mean it goes away. It just means it doesn't dominate your life. And the peace of God, which transcends understanding, I can't even explain it to you guys. It's supernatural. Will guard your hearts and your minds. Some of us, we're getting things out of order here. I'm not saying the counseling or the medicine doesn't work. But I'm saying if you don't do this, then it won't. You have to bring in the spiritual, the supernatural with the natural. You have to do both. Start with God, then do the other things. But don't leave God out of this. He can kill that anxiety. And you have to keep going back to him because that anxiety is going to sneak back up. Boom, kill it. What about the next night? I can't sleep. Kill it. Many of us will go one night, we'll go two nights, and then we just let anxiety flourish the third night. And God's like, keep it going. This kind of goes into the next few points here, and that's this, practicing appreciation. I just want to encourage you with these two things, and we're going to practice it today. The first one is be disciplined and consistent. Be disciplined and consistent. What I mean is journal daily. What I mean is listen to worship music constantly. You can throw a little bit of country music in there, but mainly, you know, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But seriously, some of our minds, it's like, why aren't you putting worship music on? Slap that bad boy on Spotify. Let them praise. Sometimes you need other people to praise for you, and then that helps you to praise. Let other people speak it for you. That's why we have worship leaders and music and all that kind of stuff. They bring you, they usher you in to the joy and the appreciation of God. But be disciplined. Don't be sporadic with it. Be disciplined as far as when you pray. Never pray without some appreciation and acknowledging of God's miracles. So being disciplined, consistent, and that's why we do church weekly. Why? Disciplined and consistent. It helps sustain. It reminds us. It just keeps killing that anxiety. God is good. God is good. God, every week, I just try to find different ways to say, God is good. Trust him. That's it. Basically, the church. Why do we get together in groups? Consistent. Disciplined. Don't stop. So I don't become anxious and alone. The second thing, is this, um, I'm not going to ver- read the verses because I want to get to the latter part. Yeah, second one is this, don't keep it to yourself. One of the great ways you can be reminded of God's goodness and miracles, you guys, tell your kids. How many, peop- how many kids grow up in Christian homes and they never hear of one miracle? They just see their parents stressed out all the time. Why would they follow God? If you're that stressed, I'll follow something different. They should, you should tell them of the miracles Hey, God blessed us. We couldn't pay bills this month, and we got money out of it. God is good. That should be normal part of childhood, not like once a year. Hey, mom was sick like that. We, we prayed. Mom's feeling better. Normal. Point your kids not just to yourself of how good you are and you need to be like me, right? Point them to Jesus. And so sharing people at work, sharing with your kids, sharing with each other, that's why we get together in groups. What, what's God doing? Encourage me. I've had a rough week. Janelle, I've had a rough week. So I want to show up to connection group and you don't need to have a rough week like me. You don't have to feel bad like, oh my God, Brian had a rough week. I don't want to share how great my week was. He's going to feel horrible, right? Because my week was amazing. No, I need to hear from you so that I can have hope in God being like, you know what? Things are rough. God's working in Janelle. God will work in me then. So many reasons to be thankful. If you want to read a great book on thankfulness, read the book of Psalms. Many of you have read it, right? 
Psalms is pretty much David saying, life is horrible, but you're good, God. I am so tired and sick, I just want to die. No, keep me living, God, you're good. You know, it's just that he, he, he gives that reality of life is rough. But God is big, God is good. He does miracles, I don't want to, I don't want to discard that. Psalm 9.1 says this, I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all your wonderful deeds. Psalm 28.7 says this, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him, and he helps me. My heart leaps for joy. Why? God helps you. Have you thought about how God helped you? Did you really get that career on your own? Did you forget about the friend that called you randomly? You didn't deserve that? That money that came from nowhere? The doctor of that one hospital? that you weren't supposed to get in, you got in, and that person. Have you guys thought about the scenarios? You know, one of the things that's crazy about being a kid is you grow up, and all of a sudden you realize all the things your parents did that you never recognize, right? You have kids of your own, you're like, whoa, my mom didn't. So even if I don't like my mom that much, like, oh, I appreciate her a lot more now, right? Because all those things that when the kid was asleep, you were doing and cleaning and sacrificing for. How much has God helped you and you've never even acknowledged it? You thought it was you or it was luck. Even before you were a Christian, God was helping you. So my heart leaps for joy. Psalm 7, 17 says this, I will give thanks to the Lord because of his righteousness. How many of us have thanked God that he's righteous, he's not like us? How many of you thanked God that, thank you God that when I'm unfaithful to you, you are not unfaithful to me? God's righteousness as far as dying on the cross. So I don't have to die. You replaced, you went through the pain so I can live forever. Just consider your righteousness. So we praise God for who he is. We praise God for what he's done. There's so, now all of a sudden, there's so much to appreciate and to be thankful for. Psalm 119.62 says, At midnight, I rise to give, th- uh, to give you thanks for your righteous laws. How many of us have thanked God for the Bible? Thank you for telling me about what not to do. So I'm not an idiot. So I don't keep ruining my life. Thank you, God. Just thanking God for that. A lot of times we see the Bible as a burden. It's the greatest gift to humanity of saying, this is how you treat each other. This is how you interact with God. Like, you don't have to guess. You don't have to go to some guru out in the middle of Nepal in these mountains and kind of meditate and smoke something and and try to find a higher power. God's like, you don't have to do that. I'm saving you from all that drugs, from all that hiking. Bible, there you go. And now you can know God. It's not this mystical thing. And you can know eternity. How many of us thank God for your word? Thank you for correcting me. Thank you for disciplining me. Thank you for showing me how to do marriage, how to raise kids. I didn't have that before, and your word showed me that. Colossians 2, 6 through 7 says this. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. A Christian that is going to be in Christ, look like Christ, reflect Christ, and have a faith that actually sustains their whole life, here's the key right here. A lifestyle that overflows with thankfulness. I always want us to be a thankful church, you guys. No matter what happens, things are going to be good, things are going to be bad, we're going to grieve together, we're going to pray together, we're going to rejoice together, but we will never stop praising God. He deserves it. 
And like, as you guys shared, your perspective widens. Your anxiety goes down because it's put in the perspective of eternity and a God that is massive. And when the world sees that, there's going to be people clamoring to get into the church. When your kids see that, they're going to be asking questions. How do I have a faith like you, Dad? But they need to see it. And if we respond just like the world, why would they want to follow Jesus? There's no difference. We're eternally thankful and appreciative. So here's what we're going to do, you guys. I want to practice that today. Get you going. That hopefully gets you going this week. Last month, funny that I'm preaching on this because I've been a little cynical. And I've been a little down for about a month straight. It was tough. Like it was a struggle to pray. It, it was a struggle. And um, I was asking God, help me. Help me. My heart just pain and hurt, disappointment. You ever been disappointed? Dream shattered. You're not even a bad dream. It's a good dream. You're like, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh. And I've been trying, you know, you're walking through mud. I'm walking forward, but I'm like, ah, I'm walking through mud. I want to get out of this mud. I want to be able to run. Sometimes you, you don't know how God's going to answer prayer. One was just being able to share with my wife. Um, I'll be very honest with you guys. When I get stressed, I tend to share less with Christine because I don't want to see her stressed. Not something I have to work on, sharing with her. She's an encourager. Sharing with her took a little bit out. Some of you men... You just want to hold on, carry it, and Satan's like, yeah, it's okay, share. We have great elders, I will share with them. Went to a concert, Maverick City, I think it was named Maverick City. And it was a long, I'll be honest, great concert, long. It was over three hours. I was like, come on, wrap this bad boy up. You know, it's like, you know, it's like we're in heaven. I'm like, we're not in heaven yet. This is getting long, my legs are getting tired. I'll be very honest, back was hurting, you know. I'm like, I got to wake up for jujitsu tomorrow, let's go, right? One song. You know why God had me go to that concert? One song. Miracles. Million little miracles. I start crying. I think, I think you look at me like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah? I'm just like, no, don't talk to me right now. <laughs> yeah. The, Lord, the Holy Spirit was like, you've lost your thankfulness and appreciation, Brian. The other thing he said too is quit doing ministry for people and do it for me. You've lost your way. Some of us have lost our way in here. You're walking with such a hard, heavy heart. And God's like, my God, I'm here. I've done so much, and you refuse to look anywhere. The gift God wants to give you this today is a thankful heart. Appreciate it. I'm not saying everything's perfect and everything's going to be perfect, but watch the miracles. But if you're going to hope in the miracles, you've got to remember the miracles you've already done. So we're going to play this song. I just want you to absorb It's about five minutes or so. But some of us were like, come on, I, I, no, 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 slow down. I want you to start from when you were born. For me, my mom's advice at 17, or the advice to my mom at 17 was to abort me. She already had one child. I was the second at 17. The advice from family, friends, you can't afford them, you can't have them, and you're not in a good marriage. So I start with being born. Go through your life. Miracle after miracle. I hope your heart's appreciated. Some of you might want to write it down. A light's going to come down. Maybe some of you just want to close your eyes. Some of you are going to watch them worship. Maybe that'll get you going. 
If you have your phone light, put it on there. Maybe start thinking about all the miracles. And then we're going to worship God. Pat is going to lead the heck out of this worship time. All right? So just contemplate. Think about a thankful and appreciative heart. Go for it, guys. been carried by grace don't ask me how cause I can't explain it's nothing short of a miracle I'm here I've got some blessings that I don't deserve I've got some scars but that's how you learn it's nothing short of a miracle I'm here I think it over and it doesn't matter I know it comes from above I've got miracles on miracles A million little miracles Miracles on miracles, count your miracles, one, two, three, four, I can't even count them all. You held me steady so I wouldn't give up. You opened doors that nobody could shut. I hope I never get over what you've done I want to live with an open heart I want to live like I know who you are I hope I never get over what you've done It's not coincidence and it's not like I know it comes from above I've got miracles on miracles A million little miracles Miracles on miracles Count your miracles One, two, three, four I can't even count them I can't even, I can't even count. Even in the death of my brother. I can't even, I can't even count. 
going to be doing miracles or he's going to use you as a miracle for others. Think about the mom and dad praying. Lord, we need clothes. Inflation's been brutal. They have no idea this tiny little church is going to Target and God's like, I got you. Where are we going to get school supplies? Who's going to provide? Some lame little church in Marietta. And you're a miracle. Five dollar miracle. Ten dollar miracle. This isn't the greatest miracle. God wants to clean us on the inside. Every day, may we rejoice of our salvation. That you even know Jesus. Yeah, food on the table, clothes. The greatest miracle is those up. You were dead and now you're alive. You had a disease and you healed. So with joyful hearts, take communion. 
And don't let Satan lie to you in shame. You're forgiven and you're free in Christ. Now, if you haven't given him authority, then you don't have a lot to celebrate. Because it's not just powerful, he's in control. I encourage you to give God authority. Let him forgive your sins and take communion. Recognize what he did on the cross. And worship him with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Jesus, I pray access as a thankful church, appreciative church. We recognize the pain and the burden of life, but we don't let it overwhelm us because you are bigger than all things and you are a good God. You're a God who's in control. You're a God who disciplines well, not out of uh, anger that is out of control. You discipline in order to correct and to train. Everything you do, Lord, is just and righteous, and we worship you now. In your name, Jesus, amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information or to get in contact with our pastoral staff, please go to go to accesschurch.com. 